Finder community, welcome to the Sports Finder podcast. My name is Amir Alouli. Today we have a different segment and we have a very special guest. We'll be discussing all things sports tech with Clint from Bullpen Media. Clint, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Armin. Much appreciated. Great talking to you. Likewise, my friend, likewise. Um, Clint, talk to me. What's going on in the world of sports tech? It's been a pretty interesting week. Um, It's especially in the sports media realm. I'll start with a a recent bit of breaking news in sports tech overnight. Uh, Cricket Australia has got a coaching and a community, coaching and community and grassroots app of one of the Yahoo Sports Technology Awards in London overnight. So, I mean, it's interesting to have uh, a local rights holder, a local governing body win a global, potentially a global award. So, it's, I guess it speaks volumes of, uh, speaks volumes of the grassroots tech that gets developed here. So, they won an award for the best technology for participation. That's fantastic. So it's been come out recently overnight. Clint? Yo, yo, yo. That's absolutely fantastic, buddy. It's great to hear. And yesterday I, I seen a stat that Australia was the fifth best home for startups from around the world. Fifth so. best home. It's a really... I find that, and I do talk about this with a lot of other... I do talk about this startups is that it's a re- it's a place where we feel that startups if you're in sports it doesn't really matter but I'll use sports it's in my wheelhouse that there's that feeling we can punch above our weight and our blinkers have always instead of looking internally we've always got to think we've got to think global can some companies think big and scale globally so it's you know we've it's got pretty supportive yeah we've got heaps of talent locally Heaps. Yeah. And one of the issues is sometimes we think outside too much. We don't invest in our in our local talent. I mean, how? Let's go back to my stat, or not my stat, the stat that I mentioned about the um being the fifth best home for startups around the world. How how active has the Australian startup e- ecosystem been? Uh, or when when did it all all begin? Maybe 2011 to 2012. 2010 yeah. max, right? What's that? Nine years. You're comparing with the likes of the of the Yanks, the Germans, the yep. Danish, the Chinese, so on and so on. They've got more people, more resources, and we're number five. What does that tell you? It's. Uh, I think it's a bit of a, a grassroots ground um, groundswell amongst. I think we've been able to mobilise pretty pretty interesting startup communities. Without any, it's all being grassroots or bootstrapped locally. I think we've been able to build that, uh, build that kind of support and build these kinds of accelerators and um, and networks. Anyway, uh, it's, it, you can say it may be partially in spite of any um, governmental assistance, maybe not, but we've definitely been able to uh, mobilize uh, mobilize each city quite effectively. So I think that does, it does reflect well about how we've been able to do that across no matter which capital city or even in regional areas. Absolutely. So it's, and I think the, the fact, and I think, and I talk about this from a sporting point of view is that 
fortunately, Australians have been able to export a lot of really intriguing sporting talent, especially in the sports science realm, um, the sporting performance realm, uh, even like the physiotherapy and stuff like that. So uh, the fact that we've been able to export talent and the recognition that we do export decent talent, very good talent, also, I think, adds to that credible story that our ability to uh, you know, harness a decent little startup culture there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Moving on, so, what, what other yeah, updates do, do you have for us, buddy? Okay, you've got to check the story out. Hey? It's, it's in the news again this week, but it actually has been something that I've been tracking for. It probably seems like... I'd say since the 2018 World Cup, right? You've got to hear about the story. So it's about a company out of Saudi Arabia called Big Out Cube, right? Which has been wholesale um, pirating of BN Sports content from out of Doha and pirating it and broadcasting it within Saudi Arabia. I think even through other countries in the Middle East. Wow. It's been wholesale piracy of BN Sports and this week, Saudi Arabia is now on the US watch list over this wholesale piracy of an entire network's content. And you've got to look at it as well. It is, it is essentially lifting it up and putting a new logo of it and then selling it internally. So let's get something straight. The, yep. the piracy company, which is stealing Bain Sports content, is now yeah. selling that content internally within Saudi Arabia. Yes. So it's selling, it's reselling, and it's pirating and reselling BN Sport, which is obviously a very well-known, yeah. very well-known global broadcaster, and have been reselling it. I think even with set-top boxes, reselling it into Saudi Arabia. And I think you can even sell it. I think it's even sold into other countries, but don't quote me on that. But it's definitely been done out of Saudi Arabia and it's been rebroadcast by Arab State as well. So it is genuine whole it's genuine piracy that we the world knows of, but it's still going on. And it's more political because of the current state of of um, relationships between the two countries. So it's well more, it completely it's, is. Yeah, it completely more, is and you know what? Yeah. It seems to have started right around when uh, Saudi Arabia, yeah, it's pretty so disgusting it's, um, if you ask me. That it's pretty disgusting pardon? if you ask me because if it happened to any other network, the whole world will be down on it. Yeah, that's the that's what the that's what the actual uh, discussion is around. Is that this wouldn't happen if it happened anywhere else in the world for any broadcaster? It would be it would be crushed immediately as well. And there's even other ramifications around as well, where even sports will have now decided to drop their F1 rights into the Middle East because they say, well, what's the point of paying for F1 rights if it's going to be pirated? So ultimately, the people that are going to be missing, that's going to be missing out in the end is going to be the or the viewer the, or the, the fortunate or the fortunate unfortunate viewer. So Sabian will go drop the F1s. You know, they'll, maybe, they'll just turn around and go, let's drop the tennis, maybe tennis, let's drop the Premier League. So it becomes, a, a, it starts to spiral into something that does affect masses of people. So 
but it's still going on. And I tell you what, even looking at, you can look at the big logo, the BRQ logo, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty interesting, huh? Absolutely. It's a um, sad story. Sad story. Sad story, one to keep looking on, one to keep looking out for. I've been at it, looking, reading and looking at it for a while, and I'm going to keep, it's something that just keeps intriguing me, so I'll be looking at it now for, until this keeps playing out, something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Moving on? Moving on, uh, this week, you could say that Twitter in New York did their, I guess the TV equivalent of their upfront, but they obviously call it the new front. It's interesting. Well, it's going to be just a whole slew of new content and live um, content on Twitter, very sports-focused as it is, as in a lot of stuff, NFL, MLS, ESPN stuff, Bleach Reports, House of Highlights. This does, this does affect Australia because, I mean, a lot of this live stuff is going to be viewable into Australia to support a lot of broadcasts. But I would say the thing that is interesting, even from an Australian point of view, and I'll get your thoughts on this, is that I would say Twitter is slightly pivoting to being an out-and-out sports network. It monetizes through sport, and it's the fact that it's a communication to news, uh, news uh, social media is one thing, but you think it's pretty much a sports network. You, you mean Twitter? Yeah. I can I tell you. Yeah. I can tell you one thing. Um, when it comes to news and updates, is there no better place yeah. than Twitter? That's right. There's no, in, in my opinion, anyway, um, and for what that counts. And I can tell you something else. Yep. I don't think there's anything on TV right now that's more engaging than sport and keeping the commercials alive. So, yeah, that's right. So there's going to be a lot of media lost from TV because of this. Um, and it's really interesting to see what the outcome of all this is because there'll be some ramifications because there will be lost dollars, there'll be lost media dollars, and the competition once again is going to heat up and people, people will start squealing. It's just as simple as yeah. that. Because I think the most... Think, in, yeah, go yeah. on, sorry. And also, but I think the other thing is that what what something like Twitter does is that it, all, it acts as a complement to a lot of broadcasts as well. Yeah. So it's, they're not cannibalizing rights, but they will be supportive of right holders or the broadcasters or anything like that. So it, it begins to be just a, a really interesting bolt-on to a live race. Yeah, but that what, will probably check that will, why am I going to watch it on, on TV if I can watch it anywhere on my phone and comment on it as I'm, as, as I'm going? Yeah, yeah. You know? That's going to, yeah. That's going to be more of a, and as certain sports rights come up for grabs again in Australia, and we're talking which will be ahead to say 2022, 2023 or so, you know, AFL, NRL and the like, is that you, we have to accept that Facebook, YouTube and so forth are going to be players in this space. Um, oh, Twitter probably sit on the sidelines, but Twitter oh. may be on the sidelines, but they'll be complimentary. They don't have, they've got 4.7 million monthly active users in Australia. 
one way to build yeah. that is through life support and I can't see them not not, yeah. not bidding for it but they got money I mean there's they've got it there yeah so I think we kind of I think we're both kind of in the same we're both in the same we're in agree we're, I think we agree here but I think we think we agree but it's just whether the it's we agree it's whether they go out and out to rights or share rights or be a complimentary player to the right holders. And I think it's probably, you know what? It's all of the above. Do you think you'll see we'll see a transition from networks like Fox and so on moving to the leagues having their own their their own channels? Yes. I I definitely think it'll definitely think it'll happen like that. Definitely bring it bring all that stuff in house. I could definitely see people going uh Buying, buying their own over-the-top rights for the NRL or something like that, and the NRL, AFL, and the likes creating their own. Whether it's actually uh, whether it's actually cost-effective to do it or not, uh, it's hard to say. But I definitely see you, the UFC does it. Yeah, UFC do it. All the major sports networks. Well, it's interesting. There's a sports networks in the United. I mean, sports rights holders in the United States do it, but. It's also done in conjunction with broadcasts as well. So I definitely see people being able to buy the sports they want through the league, especially in Australia. I do see that happening. Well, there you go. Interesting times. So it's something that, you know, we're used to the fact that, you know, we buy NBA League Pass. You know, Australia's a big market for buying NBA League Pass. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how it hasn't happened yet for something like yeah, on mass. Yeah, so say the AFL or, I mean, dare I say, you know, even anything could be say, like, even like the A-League or... The AFL's got in the... In some ways, it's already been... Yeah, AFL's got the, the deal with Telstra, so so you, so you can watch it through their app. Yeah, see, that's, I think that's where it, cheapens, it, it makes it a bit cheaper proposition for AFL to partner up for Telco to do it, which is still, still an interesting place. So you can see the forms of it already happening, but... Um, it's not fully formed in the country in this country yet, but you know that's something that's going to change by 2022. Well, I think it's 2022 when the right for that league is up for grabs, and I think the NRL is similar. Hey, league cricket's only just um, started its new deal for Channel Seven, so there is change to put. So expect that in the years to come. Interesting. So and then on to I've got some other there's some other news. Uh, one championship as the Singaporean martial arts yeah. league. They're, they've launched one studios to create their own video, video and film content in house. Nice, pretty interesting. I mean, now we're talking about sports rights coming in house. One championship bringing everything, doing stuff in house to promote their, promote their athletes. Very, very intelligent. And that's why I think so too. You know what? Speaking of that, let's go back to the UFC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Please. What the UFC's done, when this is what made what most sporting leagues don't really get, is that they built this machine which consists of social media, consists of uh, traditional media and PR and so on. And they have yeah. this format that once an athlete goes through their machine, they basically made it. They built yeah. the they built the athlete's brand. He becomes a star, and he just generates more and more revenue for him constantly. 
But at the same time, their brand is always more powerful than any individual. So they've done an, yeah. they've done an amazing yeah. job at that. And I, I, I cannot see anybody else who's done the same. No, let's talk about that as well. No, definitely not. If you, you look back at like field sports, stuff like that, um, we're simultaneously pushing every athlete as as their own more core brand. Yeah. Against um, as well, and they don't over they don't yeah they don't overshadow the USC brand itself. So no, I think I agree. With, I agree with that. It's a really interesting point too. Now I'm thinking about it compared to when you compare it to. A lot of your big white holders around the world too. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So, so yeah, interesting. So one championship going that route, um, going that um, route as well. I think they're going to be able to. I interviewed the CEO of uh, one championship last year briefly, and he does talk about in this interview. He did talk about making uh, local heroes of their athletes because you know, it's very. Um, very uh, Southeast Asian and Asian focused and Asian centric. So you had to create local heroes. So I guess if you can create even greater video and film content and distribute that, but still in essence keeping it local, I, I think there are there, there are obviously also something into it that's real intelligent. Yeah, I mean if they can get the balance right uh, between local yeah. and commercial. It um, they'll definitely be a force. The they like you look at some of their you look at their social media channels as well. Like you look at their Instagram and it's very much athlete fighter focused. It's about the athlete and the fighter. It's, and you do and things like you do know what country they're from. If they're Cambodian or Thai or whoever as well. So I think it is. It's. You are creating that different localization, and uh, I mean it does list off from the fact from what um Theo did tell me last year about what they want to do and want to be, especially in social media as well. Wow, interesting. There you go, mate. Yeah. So, uh, other thing, you know, on a local front, this story came out two or three weeks ago, but it's actually been very quiet and it's not. Hasn't been a lot of reporting on it, so I think it's been adjourned in court. You ever heard of you've heard of Players' Voice, right? I've I've heard of what? Sorry. You've heard of Players' Voice? You know that athlete content portal? No. So Players' Voice is an athlete content portal where you know the athletes tell their first-person stories on usually it's in video form. Um, they're Sydney, based in Sydney anyway, so they've been around for a couple of years and they've been they've grown very well. Uh, they now have been, there's now a bit of a legal issue with them and the Derek Jeter back, well, Derek Jeter back, but back by so many, so many other people, uh, the US backed, uh, players, the Players Tribune, which is, uh, an, an older athlete content media company. Uh, yeah, they've taken Players Voice to court locally. Accusing them of, I guess, breach of uh, various intellectual properties in the Australian jurisdiction. Okay, how so? On, on what basis? 
they, the Players' Tribune, and you can, there's only a handful, of, barely a handful of articles on this, right? The Players' Tribune is using Players' Voice of using similar livery, branding, and style of storytelling. Accusing them that they've actually wholesale lifted up what the Players' Tribune, the Players' Tribune, I guess, their quote-unquote style, and accused Players' Voice of doing the same thing. Uh, difficult. This is going to be... This is going to be a really interestingly odd, difficult case. It'd be something where, I mean, out of my personal it's something we have to be pretty keen to speak to an IT lawyer about because, yeah, this is an odd one. Uh, I don't think they have too, 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 too many issues. It's, it's different worlds. Yeah. Just it's it's a jurisdiction, but the fact that it's actually being tried in Australia, like a place tribune, which they bought out, uh, they bought out unscripted. In Australia, so now it's called the Players Tribune Australia or something like that. Anyway, um, but but the case is actually occurring in Australia, so I don't know. How, I don't know how they'll play out. It's just an interesting thing to. It's something that you should keep an eye on. See how it goes, mate. See how it goes. And what else is? Um, uh, are you an F one fan? No. No. But if, uh, they, if they got anything interesting, tell us. Uh, you know, you know, what what I find really interesting, I I do enjoy F1. They Netflix had a series of um, had, there was a series called Drive to Survive, which is pretty much a behind the scenes, real, yeah, very much uh, strong documentary driven series on uh, the workings of various F1 F1 um manufactured during the 2018 season. Uh, that actually got a huge reception and there's been early filming for season two, which I think, which is going to be, which is absolutely great, but I think it speaks to one thing which is Netflix and I think, and a lot of the other over-the-top players here, Amazons and whatnot, are going towards, is that the appetite for a lot of these high-end sports documentary series is there and will continue to grow. So I think Netflix are all in on on producing a lot of high-end sports content and documentaries. So look out for that. That's Drive to Survive. They did stuff on like Sunderland Football Club. Um, there's Cricket in India one. So and these are all really, really very well told stories. So very nice. I think it speaks. It's more it's less about. I think it's probably less about F1 than the fact that Netflix are very much all in on this. Because they have to, they they lost a lot of content to Disney. Yeah, so it's and it also at least it's their own, it's their own in-house, it's their own in-house stuff. It allows them to compete against the wild success of HBO and ESPN, who've done a lot of very good uh, sports documentaries over the years as well. And it's it's actually sometimes less about sport, but more about obviously the the person, the people, the person, um, the personalities as well. So yes, they have lost a lot of content. So you know you've got to reinvest in house, and these things do get. Oh, does it convert into new subscribers? Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. It all it always is a wait and see anyway. So that so that's pretty much where we're at for the week. A lot of sports media. Uh, a lot of sports media, a bit of sports tech, but 
you know, we'll check how this goes over the coming days and then I'll report back to you. My man, Clint, ladies and gentlemen, from Bullpen Media, Bullpen Media, leading sports tech publication in Australia. Check him out. Always a pleasure to chat to you. We look forward to seeing you next on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ahmed. I will... Let's keep talking. We'd love to come on again and let's just bring you a lot of sports tech, sports news, sports media, uh, sports startups. Thanks for having me. We'll really appreciate it. We'll definitely chat again, buddy. Take care. Goodbye.